Well, we started a series last week called um, Love Isn't. And we talked about, you know, we started, you know, the, the purpose of the series is to talk about things that love isn't. You know, we're, we live in a society that talks about love a lot. And, uh, you know, we have songs about it. We, we write books about it. We do movies about it. You know, there's paintings about it. But, you know, we don't know nearly as much about it as we think we do. I, I said this last week, and, and it's just kind of resonated with me. And I would encourage you to kind of ponder this. You know, 1 John chapter 4 says that, that, uh, that God is love. Not that he has love, but he is love. And it's something that we embrace, but you know, part of the challenge is that whenever we hear that, then we think about this, we think, well, if God is love, and I believe that love is this, therefore God must be that. And, and we kind of have it backwards, because if God is love, he, he doesn't, doesn't mean that he fits into what our definition of love is the minute that we meet him. But we begin to know him, and by knowing him, then he reveals to us what love is, and it may even change what our perception of love is over time and what that means and what it looks like. And so as we get to know him, we truly discover what love is. And so last week we talked about the fact that love isn't indifferent and you know, in regards to how we live and what we do. I, I use this, and I'm not trying to be offensive or anything like that, but you know, like I, I really love my wife, and... And the, you know, as time goes on and I grow to love her more, I don't become indifferent to her behavior. I use this as an example. It's kind of silly, but I don't look at her and go, babe, I really love you. So if you want to get, date other men, that's fine. No, I don't feel that way. Matter of fact, because I do love her, I'm like, that ain't going to happen. And so, you know, we understand that. We understand that as a situation. Well, God's the same way with us. He doesn't become indifferent to our behavior or to our choices as, as, we, um, as we discover how much he loves us. He becomes you know, we realize he's more involved in that. So today we're going to talk about this, that love isn't a feeling. It's not a feeling, no matter what you've heard. Matter of fact, that great uh, spiritual band, Boston, said love's more than a feeling. And so, um, you know, some, some of you know what I'm talking about. But um, uh, they laughed a lot harder at that in the first service. So, like, second service has never heard of Boston. Okay, so... Um, but it, it isn't. It's not a feeling. And, you know, and the ch trouble we get into a lot of times, we view it as a feeling. So, so if you would, grab a hold of your Bibles and say this with me. Say, this is my Bible. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. I declare this morning, my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'll be taught the Word of God. And I'll never be the same again. Open up your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter 13. If you're still learning your way around the Bible, know this, that there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. And uh, the Old Testament starts with Genesis, and the New Testament starts with Matthew. And so it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John, was a, he was a follower of Jesus. He was one of the original 12 apostles. And um, he was, um, we think he was probably maybe the youngest one. He was in his late teens when he began to follow Jesus, lived to be in his 90s. And so he was, these were eyewitness accounts to what took place. He recognized um, what, was, what was going on there. And so he wrote these things down. And so um, in John 13, verse 31, just before they were arrested, it says in verse 31, it says, As soon as Judas left the room, Jesus said, The time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. And God will be glorified because of him. And since God receives glory because of the Son, he will give his own glory to the Son, and he will do so at once. Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I am going. Now I'm giving you a new commandment. Everybody say a new commandment. 
So Jesus said, look, man, I'm getting ready to go away. And he said, look, before I go, I'm going to give you a new commandment. Now, again, you know, context matters, audience matters. And think about who he was speaking to. He was speaking to the disciples. They were Jews just like Jesus. And so they were used to commandments. They were familiar with the Ten Commandments. But they had also like over 600 laws and regulations of things they had to operate by. Over 600. That's incredible, right? Like dietary laws, you know, religious laws, observations, those kind of things. So this was a people that was used to things. And so Jesus, he said, look, man, he said, I'm going to leave you with a new commandment. Now think about that word commandment, what it means. It's different than suggestion, right? It's different than opinion. It's, it's a commandment. It's, it's something that we're told to do. I, you know, we lived in New Mexico for 17 years in, in Clovis, and Cannon Air Force Base was there. And sometimes, man, there would be people that they would get orders. And I remember that, you know, sometimes they would get what was called a remote. Like, you know, maybe they were going to have to go to South Korea, and for some of them that meant they were going to be away from their family for a year. And, and sometimes they, they would try to appeal it, and occasionally they would be effective, but hardly ever. But at the end of the day, if they weren't effective, guess what? They didn't have a choice. It's what they did. They may not feel like going. You know, it may be inconvenient for them to go or what they would rather not do, but they had an order, a command, and this was something they had to yield to because they'd committed themselves. They'd committed themselves to something. And so Jesus is saying to us that as Christ followers, that he's given us a new commandment. Let's see what this new commandment is. It, it's this, love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. So the commandment that he gave us, that he gave them, that he gives to us, is to love each other. And then he gives us the standard by which that's set by. Well, how am I supposed to love you? He said this, he told me, just like he loves me. Now, that's pretty challenging because, let me tell you something, I have, I have no secrets from him. He knows everything about me. He's seen every moment. He, he's seen not just the good ones, but he's seen even the good ones and known when my motive is wrong. Because, you know, sometimes you can do the right thing and do it for the wrong reason. We'll talk about that here in just a minute. But he's seen me also whenever the thing I've done is clearly wrong, reason or not. He's been patient with me. He hasn't given up on me. I'm so great. I'm so grateful that he's patient with me. He's been way more patient with me than I would have been if I were him. I'd have been like, okay, you're too big a knucklehead. I'm done with you. But he's been patient with me. So he's called us. He's called me. It's, it's a command. It's to do this. It, and it reveals to me that because it's a command that, that, love, that love isn't a feeling. Love is a choice. It is something we choose to do. If it wasn't, it would be unjust for him to command us to do that. If we were incapable of doing that, then it would be unjust for him to say, well, I'm commanding you to do this. Well, God, I, I can't do that. Well, I just want you to do it. That would be an unjust thing. But because he's commanded us to do it, we have to know this, that it's not a feeling, it's a choice, meaning that there are days that I may not feel like doing it, but I can because he's commanded me to do so. And then he said this, that he said, that, you know, love each other just as I've loved you. You should love each other. And he said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now, an illustration that I've used before, some of you have heard it, some of you haven't, but until I get a better one, this is the one you're going to hear whenever we talk about this. And so, that, you know, he was saying that people will recognize that we're followers by how we love each other. Can I just be real transparent with you? I've seen some people carry a Bible around that are just as mean as can be. And they, there's not been anything in me that's compelled me to say, I just want to be like Jesus. 
I've seen other people that will pray at every meal and are just as hateful. And he didn't say that's how people would know us. He said the way that people would know us is by how we love each other. And so it's, it's our logo. It's our, you know, our icon that you, you think about, you know, the different corporations in the world that they don't even have to tell us what their name is. But when we see whatever their logo is, whenever we see that, we know automatically what that is. I've shared this before, but, you know, David is our oldest. He's down here on the front row. And I remember when he was little that there'd be times that we'd be driving, he's still learning how to talk. And, and I would notice that there was this, there'd be certain seasons where at some point he would, he would begin to say, he'd begin to say this, he'd go, um, I pee pies. And so, and then he would just go, I pee pies, I pee pies. And, and then it's, we'd be driving and that would begin to be more loud and professional. Aren't, aren't you glad that I'm revealing, you know? <laughs> and so, uh, and so, and then it would kind of begin to get at a higher fever pitch, you know, I peep eyes, I peep eyes, I peep eyes, oh, I peep eyes. And then it was just kind of like, you know, just this, I peep eyes. You know, I'm like, I looked at Tina, I'm like, you speak baby, what is he saying? And she goes, I don't know, I don't know what peep eyes are. And so, so, you know, this went on, you know, several times. And so finally one day, you know, he's saying it again. I'm like, I, oh my gosh, I, 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 I don't know what a pea pie is. You know, and I mean, you know, I'm not being really patient. I, I, I don't know what a pea, what's a pea pie? You got to use a restroom. I don't know what is that. And we pulled into McDonald's and we ordered food, got him a happy meal, gave him French fries. I pea pies. If you go and order, today you go there and you say, I want a large pea pie, they're going to give you french fries. You just watch, you know, and have somebody film it when you do it too. I want to see it. So, but here, <laughs> he couldn't read yet, but you know what? He saw those golden arches and he knew that's where I get pea pies at, you know what I mean? And so I really wish you'd start calling them french fries. It's confusing for other people. But anyway, here's the thing. <laughs> That, you know, I mean, he, he, he didn't have to read. He just, he saw the logo and he knew that's where I get that. And, you know, we have to understand this, that, you know, Paul said this about us. He said, you're a living letter. You're an epistle. The people are reading us. Wherever we go, they're reading. Re we're revealing to them and, and they're making decisions about who they believe Jesus is based upon how we carry ourselves. That's a lot of weight, I realize, and I mean, I'm, I'm not perfect. I've had some shameful moments. But I've discovered this too, that even in those moments, I can still be an example in the way I repent, in the way I apologize. I can be, if, if I can't live well, then I can repent well. And so it becomes the logo, the icon of how we live our life, that whenever we follow this commandment that Jesus has given us, to love one another, that it says to the world, he said this, it says to the world that we follow him. It, it draws them to him. It's the time in our life that we're the most like Jesus. And it's, it's our witness, our carrying card, our logo, it's our golden arches, our Nike swoosh, Whatever logo you think of, it's, that's who we are when we operate in the love of God. We follow that commandment to love one another just like Christ loved us. And so to do that, it says to them that we're followers of him. So number one is this, if you're taking notes, is that love is a choice. Look at number two, if you would go with me to 1 Corinthians 13. 
1 Corinthians 13, it's like the book after John is Acts, and then after Acts is Romans, and then after Romans is 1 Corinthians. While you're turning there, 1 Corinthians 14.1 says this, let love be your highest goal. Let it be your highest goal. In other words, it's the thing that we pursue, that we want to achieve. Let it be our highest goal. One translation says this, let it be our greatest quest. That we pursue this, that it's our quest, our goal, that this is what I want to do with my life. That I want to operate in the love of God towards people. And so, let it be our highest goal. And in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, many of you are familiar with this. It says this, he said, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels... But didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, my words would really not mean anything. I, I could do all of those things and communicate to them. But if I didn't love people, that it would not resonate in their heart. If I had the gift of prophecy, if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. In other words, man, you could have all the biblical knowledge in the world, Looks so spiritual. If it's not based on the love for people, it, would, it wouldn't amount to anything. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Or it wouldn't even be a, a benefit to us to make those sacrifices if they weren't done from a heart of love. And then he starts with that part that most, that most of us are familiar with where he says this, love is patient and kind. I think it's while he starts out with that, that it's not just patient, but it's patient and kind. Patient and kind. He goes on to say, love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. So I think it's wild that like when he begins to describe love, he says love is, he doesn't say, he doesn't say, he, he doesn't say love feels patient. He says love is patient. He doesn't say love feels kind, love is kind. In other words, it's, it's revealed in behavior. Love is revealed in behavior. It, it can be seen in what we do. It, it can be demonstrated by how we live. And it's who we're called to be in every circumstance, in every situation. I, you know, just sometimes, you know, and I say the Lord has to remind me, and we've all had those moments of conviction we just have a knowing that like we're doing what we're not supposed to be doing or even a God thought where this thought comes. You're like, oh yeah, okay. And I know, you know, there are times like I'll be in a situation. I've shared this with you before that like when we go out of town, one of my things when we go to town, I just feel this responsibility. I want my family to have a good time. I want them to enjoy themselves. And so if I ever feel like anybody's trampling on that, then I kind of, I've got to be careful. And sometimes I'm not careful and I kind of rise up. And I'm kind of fierce. I remember that we went on this trip to Boston and we'd had this one situation. I looked and David was with me and I said, yeah, I, I really, I said, I'm, I'm trying to be kind. He said, well, I don't think you said anything wrong. She could just tell that you were mad. And so I'm like, well, I'm not going to deny that. I was, I was mad. And so, you know, and my family calls it vacation Rick. You know, he shows up and, 
And, um, and some people said, I really want to see Vacation Rick. I'm like, no, no, you probably don't. And so, but you know, the Lord deals with me and he's like, would you do that in Claremore? You know, does it just matter because that's where you minister? And I think we know the answer to that, right? That, I mean, we're supposed to carry the love of God no matter where we are. That doesn't mean we can't have hard conversations or things like that. But whatever we do, it has to be done in the love of God. The love of God has to be our motive. It's, it's got to be the thing that, that presses us and pushes us. And often it reveals, you know, our maturity and what we're supposed to do. And we just, we just see it. I just see that without, you know, that without God's presence in my life left to myself, I can be selfish. I can do what I want to do. You know, and it doesn't, it doesn't happen when we're just adults. It starts when we're kids. I remember when our kids were little, uh, one of the things I love to do is I take David, Daniel, and Ashley to school and some of you parents may be in this season right now, and I'm, I'm assuming this still happens, but there was one word I dreaded every time we walked outside. Shotgun. Shotgun. One word out, shotgun. That was like, no, no, I said it in there. I said it inside at the table. Well, that doesn't count. You don't get to say it at the table. You got to be outside the door. You can't say it in there. Well, I, I didn't hear it either. Dad, tell him. I don't want a referee Shotgun. And, you know, and I want my kids to grow and develop the love of God towards each other. I would say, look, I long for the day when I come out here and I'm not having to referee who gets shotgun and what the appropriate rules are. I got a lot of stuff on my plate. Don't add something else by having me referee shotgun. <laughs> and I said, I just wish one day one of you would come out here and go, you have shotgun. And Daniel looks at me and goes, no, he looks at David and he goes, he's right. Tomorrow you do that. And so, I mean, it was... <laughs> You know, but I mean, it's just in us, right? It's just in us that, you know, just this thing that's, that just kind of pulls, we just kind of want our stuff in our way. But, but love isn't a feeling. These are things that we are told to do that, that we're, we can live out in our life, that I can be patient when I don't feel like it. I can be kind when I don't feel like it. I, I can endure hardship when I don't feel like it. Love is patient. It's kind. Matter of fact, we, we gave you these things. They should be in your seed or something like that. You need one, you get one, you go. But we've taken that and we've made it personal. Instead of saying love is patient, we've said, I am patient. I'm kind. I do not envy. I don't boast. I'm not proud. I don't dishonor others. I'm not self-seeking. I'm not easily angered. I keep no record of wrongs. I don't delight in evil, but I rejoice with the truth. I always protect. I always trust. I always hope. I always persevere. I mean, my desire is that you take this with you and for the next 30 days, just you just continue to say this over your life. Because love was never meant to be dormant in us. It's lived out, it's demonstrated. Aren't you glad that God didn't sit in heaven and go, man, I see where they're at and I just, I just love them and I, I'm not gonna do anything about it, but man, I just love them. No, he so loved us that he did. He so loved us that he gave he so loved us that he didn't just not do anything. It's revealed in behavior. Love is it, not love feels. And so it's revealed that way in what it's done and how we live our lives. Let's, um, let's look at this last thing, point three. Go to Romans chapter five. You're in 1 Corinthians 13. Romans is the book before 1 Corinthians. 
Romans 5 verse 1 says this. Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. We can rejoice when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. So we can rejoice when we go through hardship. It helps us develop endurance. Parents, when your kids are going through a hard place, don't always rescue them. They won't be able to endure. You won't always be in their presence. They're going to have to learn how to go through hard times and endure things. And the same thing's true for us. It's where we learn to endure is that hard place, that uncomfortable place. And so we go through that. It says endurance develops strength of character. In other words, it helps our character to grow. We have to endure those things. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. In other words, that character develops too because we begin to have a confidence in God and who he is that we can trust him and what he does and in his plan and his purpose for us. And this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So, we know how much God loves us because when we gave our lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of us. And as a result of that, when he comes, that he fills our hearts with the love of God. The King James says this, that says that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. New Living says that our hearts are filled with his love. In other words, that one of the things that God's done for us since Jesus has given us this commandment to love each other, that one of the things that he did for us when we give our lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of us and he even provides us with the love that we need to demonstrate. He's poured it out in our heart so it can be poured out from us into the world that we live in. In those moments when you're like, I, I just don't feel like I have any love to give them. Well, it doesn't have to be your love. The Holy Spirit's on the inside of you. Just drink from that. Yield to that. Let that be emptied out into the lives of people. Let that be done for us and through us. There have been moments in my life where I knew I was getting ready to go into a hard situation. And, you know, sometimes it was, I was going to have to give somebody some disappointing news. Sometimes I was going to have to apologize. You know, just various things that I knew that probably they were hurt. They, you know, that they were mad at me. And sometimes justifiably so. But, you know, whether it's justifiable or not, it's still painful. And I would just have to read this and remind myself the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. The greater one is in me. First John 4, 4 says, the greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So sometimes in those moments, I'd be sitting there and they were mad and, and just really be going at, and just under my breath, I'd be saying like, God's love is in me. The greater one lives in me. The greater one lives in me. He's helping me right now. Sometimes I've had to do that in forgiving people. Sometimes I'd have to do that in asking them to forgive me and letting them express their pain and their disappointment. The place I want to get is I stay so ready that if I'm blindsided, that I don't just react. But I've just become aware of the Holy Spirit on the inside of me and God's love being given to me so that I can yield to the command that Jesus gave all of his followers. 
and that is to love each other the way that he's loved us. By this will people know that we're his disciples. We're never more like Jesus than in these moments. It's the time that we demonstrate him the most. It's the time that the world is compelled to take notice. Carrying our Bible, I'm not saying anything's wrong with it. It doesn't bring attraction. Praying over our food, I believe in that. I do it at meals. But it's not the thing that draws the world to us. It's when they see something that's undeniably different. That you can't mistake it for anything else, but it's just the love of God showing up in a place where others would choose not to. And we don't do it on our own. The Holy Spirit has shown up and the love of God has been poured into our heart. Any of you that study any kind of church history or anything like that, in recent history, there's a, a missionary named Jim Elliott. He was a missionary and he, as a young man, I think he was like in his late 20s, early 30s, something like that. He, he flew into this um, area uh, where people had never heard the gospel before. And he wasn't there very long and they ended up killing him. And so he had a wife and children and you can imagine how they would want to respond in that type of thing. And the way his wife responded was, was that after a period of time, she went over to those same people and began to minister to them. And even the man that killed her husband gave his life to Jesus. People asked her, how could you do that? How could you give your life in such a way when so many things were taken from you? And she said this. She said, the secret is Christ in me, not me in a different set of circumstances. And I think that in our culture that we've become so self-centered that we think all of our joy and all of our peace lies up in our own circumstances, upon who we are. And it impacts the way that we read Scripture. If we read Scripture and I'm the center of my world, then we see it different than it was intended to be written. But if we read it as followers of Jesus and that he's the center, then we read it differently. That when I read it in there, I, I don't read I get my way, I read I surrender. I don't read that it's all about me and my own personal happiness. But I read it's about I'm the one that's, I'm following the one that's shown me how we give our life. And the love of God is, it's not a feeling, it's a choice. It's, it's, it's lived out, it's, it's demonstrated, it's, it's revealed in behavior but it's given to me by the Holy Spirit when he comes and makes residence in our heart after we give our life to Jesus, that the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. And when I feel like I have nothing to give, nothing left to go on, I have a reservoir that's full, that's never empty, that as one that's surrendered and realized that it's not about me, but it's about Jesus and that I'm yielded to him and I follow his example. even in those hard places that the love of God has given so that we can continue to follow that commandment that he's given us. Because we've been given that love by the Holy Spirit. It's given to me by him. This hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. It's a reservoir that never empties, never runs dry, it stays full. And we can drink from it and pull from it and let it just empty out of our lives into the world that we live in.
And that's when people see Jesus. That's when they're drawn to him. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes for just a minute. Now spend a moment with God and just let him just do a work in us. You know, maybe you're in a situation or circumstances that's really challenging. You're really not sure how to live or what to do in that moment. He'll help you. He'll help you. Just take this moment and begin to pray. Begin to ask him to help you. Begin to ask him to do a work in you. Let's just spend a moment with God.